0: Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by Valerie Valdez, author of the new science fiction novel, Where Peace is Lost. Library Journal wrote about an earlier novel by Valdez featuring memorable Cuban descended characters. This engaging space opera debut delivers a story that dances between hilarity and seriousness with all the joy and frustration psychic cats can bring to the mix. Valerie, welcome to the podcast. And Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your new novel, Where Peace is Lost, how would you describe the novel?
1: Uh, so, the the quick elevator pitch, it's about a uh, refugee, Kel. Uh, she's a, a former knight. Um, she's hiding out from the empire that conquered her people and has to uh, come out of hiding to go on a road trip to save the, the new planet that she lives on uh, from
0: a deadly war machine that uh, could destroy it. And is this a standalone or is this the beginning of a new series for you?
1: So as of right now, it's a standalone. I am working on sequel stuff for it, uh, outlines and pitches and things like that, but have not sold anything yet. I live in hope, but I I tend to write my novels so that they are uh, what they say standalone with series potential. So if you pick up <laughs> if you pick up the book and that's the only one you pick up, it'll still be fine. It ends, you know, in a satisfying way, I think. But uh, w- we shall see what unfolds.
0: That's great. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus for where pieces lost?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, my ideas tend to come from a lot of places. Uh, I'm I'm a very magpie uh, writer in that sense. I get inspiration from from all over. This one, <clears throat> I would say the sort of the very first thing I think that started me on the road to this was thinking about the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi from the original Star Wars film and how you have this mysterious figure hiding out on this planet and uh, ostensibly has this deep backstory (laughs) that we know very little about and he is called out of hiding to help this young farm boy basically cross the galaxy and and save save the world you know the the galaxy universe (laughs) and uh i thought a lot about just as a character what that story would look like if it if he were the main character instead of luke skywalker and you know has to, again, same deal, cut him out of hiding, save save the planet, save the world. Um, but is risking exposure, is risking his old enemies coming after him and causing not just problems for him personally, but for everyone around him um, in, in a sort of scorched earth way. And I I sort of spun it out from there in various directions. And the first thing I did was, of course, gender swap Obi-Wan because I, I liked to write uh, lady protagonists as a rule.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, what was your original writing journey that led you to writing your first stories and your first novel and getting them published?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, I, I started writing when I was a kid. I'm one of those, mm-hmm. right, where I've been, I've been writing my whole life off and on. And uh, the, the journey for this, I, I started doing National Novel Writing Month in, I, I want to say, 2005. And so every year, every November, I would sit down and start a whole new novel and a lot of times, I you know, I, I won pretty much every year. So I would end up usually with about half <laughs> of a novel, and and then just never finish it because it to me at the time it was more about the challenge of doing the thing and, and the fun of it. And uh, it wasn't until Chilling Effect that I really thought to myself, you know, I think I can make a go of this. I think I can I can finish this and edit this and try to make something of it. And uh, what helped me then after that was. I had a friend who had gone to Viable Paradise, the workshop, and recommended that I try to, you know, get into that as well. And I did. And the encouragement and and cohort that I built there um, has definitely helped me, encouraged me, supported me all, all through this
0: journey. And and here we are. And can you tell us a little bit what was your experience like at the Viable Paradise Writing Workshop?
1: Oh, goodness. I mean, it was basically a week of, you know, lectures and camaraderie and uh, critiques and just kind of building up confidence, I think, was probably the most important aspect of it for me. I am a very self-conscious writer. I am very self-effacing. And it it is difficult to learn the skill of not just accepting criticism, but accepting compliments gracefully. And so, um, some of that was was very useful in there. But also, again, just building community, uh, meeting other people who were doing the same thing that I'm doing, who were also uh, ambitious, interested in getting published, and working hard on their craft. And it's not that I didn't know people like that before. Obviously, I had friends who encouraged me to go to Bible Paradise, who are also along this path. But uh, it it was sort of my first experience being in a very um, professionally oriented environment, a very you know pro focused. Pushing us all to uh, accomplish our our goals and and to set those goals, I guess, in in more lofty ways, you know, as opposed to just hoping for exposure. It was about no, be a professional about this, and and here's how.
0: You talked about National Novel Writing Month, mm-hmm. and you started that I think around 2005. What do you think was different about uh, the novel "Chilling Effect" that you wrote that that ended up becoming your debut novel?
1: I I think I just loved it. Honestly, the other novels that I wrote, it I did like them, and they were a challenge. And no writing is ever wasted. Um, definitely, throughout the process of of building up my skills and development, I I, I was not. Uh, it's not that I was aiming low. I guess right. I, I was trying mm-hmm. to. I was trying to write well. I was trying to do better and and consciously uh, improve my skills and my craft. But with Chilling Effect, it was it was the most me thing. I think that I had written up to that point. It was me. Throwing all of my interests, all of my quirks, all of my humor and weirdness and culture into a story that I I loved with my whole heart. Um, instead of it being sort of an intellectual challenge, it was very much me being, being emotion- emotionally invested in in the product in ways that was was a little different from prior experiences. So, well,
0: what was your writing process like for your latest novel, Where Pieces Lost? Um, are you someone who, uh, outlines extensively before writing or, um, do you, uh, just kind of dive into the narrative and see where it takes you?
1: No, I am an, I am an extensive plotter. And so typically what happens with me is I have a sort of parallel process, I guess, a few, a few different things happen simultaneously, but, um, a lot of times what I write first is the pitch. Um, I, I will almost always have a notes file where I just kind of, like I said, magpie various information and ideas and just it, things about story, character, plot, theme, vibes, whatever. And it all just goes into a, a scratch, you know, file. Um, but then I, I sit down and I write a pitch, you know, back of the book blurb kind of thing. And once I have that, I tend to then keep thinking, keep expanding my notes. Usually I end up with a story Bible either before or after the synopsis. Um, it's, it's often simultaneous that I'm working on all these things at once. Um, but I go from pitch to synopsis to chapter outline uh, with my story Bible developing concurrently. And by the time that I start writing, I usually have not just that full chapter outline, but also the, the story Bible with character information, world information, um, links to interesting articles that I may want to reference again, quotes that I think are thematically or aesthetically appropriate that I might want to refer back to. Um, so yeah, I, I maintain a, a lot of notes before I get started and then I keep them going after I get started. So even as I'm writing, um, sometimes I'll have revision notes where it'll be like, oh, I need to go back and establish this or I need to make this change at some point because I actually like this new idea better. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely a plotter.
0: What is it about science fiction that appeals to you as a writer?
1: Oh, a lot. Uh, I think that um, science fiction is and, and fantasy as well. I mean, but it it does any speculative fiction allows us to sort of imagine beyond the scope of our current reality in ways that I think is really fruitful. And sometimes the imagining is is as you know simple as what if we had this cool gadget, you know. Um, but I think sometimes the imagining is just also, what if society was different? What if uh, the world was different? What if the sky was purple? Uh, it, so it can it can run the gamut from just very kind of simplistic, basic aesthetic changes to vast societal changes and implications, and spinning out theories about how things could be different, and um, and that definitely attracts me. I, I Certainly, one can use that same impetus to make changes to our world, which I think is really good and useful. But I think sometimes that speculative fiction helps us imagine those changes and sort of sort through the ramifications of them in different ways rather than simply leaping in feet first and hoping for the best.
0: Well, with some exceptions, the majority of science fiction writers for many years were white men. Do you feel that we're reaching a point now where more diverse voices and diverse writers with diverse experiences are coming to the fore.
1: I think it's interesting you bring that up right now because I was actually watching a conversation develop on Blue Sky this morning, which I think is really useful. And uh, I came to it by way of C.L. Polk, who is an amazing fantasy writer, among other things. And um, and and they came to it through uh, Juliet McKenna, I believe. And the discussion was essentially about how you may see a lot of very prominent debuts from marginalized people coming out today. And they get a lot of attention. They get a lot of fanfare. But if you start looking into the backlist and you start looking into who has a sustainable career, you know, who has published more than 10 books, which is uh, uh, according to the arguments that that's about how many books you need to have in, in your backlist to be considered a career writer. And you'll find that those debuts do not make it to that point. And so we can definitely make the argument that oh yeah we're we're seeing a lot more people marginalized people who are having books published but even so I believe the statistics if you start looking up how many are published these days it still bears out the fact that the the genre is is not uh, it's it's better but it is not uh, equitable. And moreover, the people who are getting all that attention, getting published are not necessarily developing sustainable careers. And I think that that will be the greater measure in future of whether things are improving is whether those people are able to stick around and,
0: and keep making stories. Sure. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels?
1: Oh, goodness. I mean, there's so much writing advice out there. I would say that one Mm -hmm. of the things to keep in mind is as you're constantly looking for writing advice, um, just consider it all to be sort of tools that you're putting in your toolbox. You know, uh, there is a thing uh, that, that we joke about about the perfect journal and that if we could just find the perfect journal then we would be able to write the perfect story in the perfect journal. And so there's this never-ending quest for the perfect journal. But then what often happens is you end up with a lot of blank journals on your shelf mm-hmm. and, uh, and you never actually get anything done. And so I think that um, looking for more writing advice that will solve the problem of of you and your own process, and your own method, it's not that it's not useful because you may in fact hit upon the perfect journal at some point. But I think it's more useful to just uh, take all of that writing advice, consider it to be tools in the toolbox, and, and try those tools out. Use them for yourself. See if they work. If they don't work, then put them back in the toolbox and try something else. But keep honing your own method. Keep honing, honing your own process and be flexible. If, if something is working, go with it. If it stops working, then switch it up and, and find something else that's going to work for you. Um, and I think the other thing I usually would say is to embrace whatever it is that you love writing about. Um, writing, especially if you're going to make a career out of it or if that's your goal, writing is not like the highest paying job that you can get out there. If, if your goal is to get rich quick, then, uh, you know, be a stockbroker or something. But like, if you want to be a writer, then embrace the stuff that you want to write. Embrace what you enjoy. Embrace what you find fun, appealing, enticing, interesting, intellectually stimulating, whatever it is that motivates you, you know, lean into that. Um, don't try to force yourself into a place that is not pleasant for you. If you want to do a job that you don't enjoy, then, don't, then writing's not it. I guess um, I find <laughs> find something more lucrative to, to uh, you know, kill yourself over.
0: <laughs> That's good advice. Well, are you working on another novel now?
1: Uh, yeah, no, I've got a bunch of things that are are spinning up. I, I usually have. Um, multiple projects on the burners. Even if I'm not actively working on all of them simultaneously, my brain is usually um, in different stages of thinking about them. Right now, my main focus is trying to get um, the outline, synopsis, um, first chapters for the sequels to this book, uh, in the hopes of selling them. But I also have some, um, hopefully, coming soonish, uh, some some contemporary romancey stuff that I am excited to share with people.
0: <laughs> That's fun. Well. What novels have you read recently that you enjoyed?
1: Oh, goodness. I, my reading has totally gone at the deep end. Um, and so most of my free time right now, and I, I say free in quotation marks, uh, I spend uh, streaming video games at night. That is my my mandatory fun um, and so, <laughs> in terms of reading, I, I don't streaming
0: read- them, meaning that you're streaming them as you're playing them. Or are you? Yes. Watching no. I, okay, I stream.
1: Yes. I stream them on Twitch. Yeah. So I play cool. the game and I stream them for other people, and and that is the way that I um, simultaneously decompress and then also get to kind of you know connect with other people and and hang out with my friends and have a good time. Um, but in terms of my TBR pile, gosh, I have so many things on it right now. Um, I, I, my brain is not working on this question. Unfortunately, (laughs) it's just, it is a long, it is a long list of things. Um, what, what have I read recently? Um, I think the last couple of things that I've read, uh, Ilona Andrews keeps coming out with more Kate Daniel stuff. And so I often will uh, try to pick that up. And, um, the, the last October day book is not that recent, but (laughs) I definitely did, uh, reach for that one as well. And, oh gosh, um, oh, there was a, a great book that I recently blurbed, and now I'm spacing on the name, but it was That's an fun. amazing <laughs> debut. No, but it was a really, really great debut uh, about what if aliens, basically, what if aliens came to Earth, stuck around for a few days, and then simply left? And then, what what would society do as a result of that? How would everything change? How would everyone change? And just sort of the the disruptions to people's lives that occurred in the aftermath of, of that, like the before, during, and after. And it was an amazing novel, and I just cannot remember the name of it. Oh no, um, I'm like frantically trying to find it because
0: that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. You can you can you can actually um, you can actually like uh, record on your phone when you find it. Just just record like a a quick audio file of their name in the title and I'll, I'll drop it into the, to the final episode.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's i I'm sorry. I found it. It was, uh, Emily Jane and, um, Oh gosh, where's the novel? Dang it. Okay. Um, but it was Emily James debut novel and it was really, really good.
0: Wonderful. Well, um, I, I was going to ask you as well I mean since you mentioned it so what's your what what are your favorite games now that you're streaming and playing?
1: Oh, okay so the games that I'm streaming right now uh, I'm streaming Hades which is an amazing roguelike and um it, it leaned into the form in a way that I think is extremely cool it it turned dying into simply kind of like part of the plot, I would say, um, in, in a way that that not all roguelikes manage to do, right? You, you have these very punishing games where over and over again, um, you essentially go through the same kind of uh, engineered dungeons and you're trying to, to get to the final thing. But Hades, the plot of Hades is so deep. The characters are so fun. The art's amazing. The music is fantastic. Um, and so that is a game that dying doesn't feel so bad it's not like mario right where you just get frustrated you have to start over again you're really annoyed um and i'm also playing control which is a uh science fiction game that is uh, i don't know if you've heard of the scp foundation but um it is basically a a, it is a fake foundation that evolved in sort of the form of a wiki where you have all these objects of power that um, have 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 these abilities, and there's a foundation dedicated to collecting them and containing them. I believe the the motto is "serve, contain, and protect." But uh, control is basically that, but a video game. And so you are a character who has rolled into the offices of uh, this this governmental group, whose entire purpose is to find these mysterious objects of power contain them, uh, in order that like extra planar entities do not harm human beings. Um, and so it, it is a really cool game. I'm enjoying it a lot. It is very like sci-fi horror kind of thing. And, uh, I've, I've also reached a point where uh, surviving is much harder than it was before, even though I have like telekinesis and can throw parts of buildings at people, it's still tough. Um, and then the other game I'm playing is Breath of the Wild, which is, uh, you know, the, the last, not, not the latest, but the pr- pr- prior uh, edition of uh, Legend of Zelda, which is Noble World right. Legend of Zelda, and it's just a delight. Sometimes I just climb a mountain and look at the sunset in that game, and it's beautiful, and um, it's peaceful. <laughs> and, and then I, you know, <laughs> go fight some monsters.
0: Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your books and your writing?
1: I don't know, they can definitely find me at ValerieValdez.com. That's the easiest place. And uh all all my links more or less to other stuff are there. Um, I'm hanging out more on Blue Sky these days in terms of social media, and I'm also Valerie Valdez there. So um, and then if you feel like in, engaging on Twitch uh with me, then I I stream as the kids are asleep, which is ostensibly when I am streaming. However, my kids are getting older and so their their bedtime is uh, creeping backward. <laughs>
0: again, we've been speaking to Valerie Valdez, author of the new science fiction novel, Where Peace is Lost. The book is available now, so go buy a copy. And Valerie, thanks for doing this interview.
1: No, thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely.